Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. This is Teresa Blaze with the Unresolved Life Podcast. Hello and welcome. Today, I got a really cool guest with us. His name is Mike Gendron, and he is with ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Kind of a cool URL. Hello, Mike, and welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Teresa. You specialize in a very interesting field. I mean, I mean, everybody's job is to proclaim the gospel, and to which means to kind of get it out. But you actually specialize in reaching a certain people group. Can you tell us what that is? Yes, I grew up as a very devout Roman Catholic, and as a result, I have a great compassion for the many Catholics I left behind. We thought we belonged to the one true church, but it wasn't until I started reading the Bible that I recognized how woefully deceived I was. And many Catholics rarely read the Bible, and so they never know whether or not they're deceived or not. Because the very nature of deception is that people do not know they're deceived until they're confronted with the truth. So when God confronted me with the truth of his word, I had a crisis of faith, and the crisis came down to, should I believe Christ and his word or the teachings and traditions of my religion in regards to my salvation? And so the Lord granted me repentance. I had eyes to see the truth of his gospel. And my life has never been the same. I was born again and shortly thereafter went to seminary to study the Bible more thoroughly. And during my last semester at Dallas Theological Seminary, we began inviting Roman Catholics over to our home every Tuesday night. And we shared a gospel video. My wife prepared dessert and we answered their questions. Within three months, we saw 17 Roman Catholics exchanged their religion for a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that was the genesis of the ministry that we do today. That was 28 years ago. The Lord has taken us throughout the world, and we go into churches and seminaries and do large conferences for the purpose of equipping and encouraging the congregations to reach out to Roman Catholics. We recognize that the Roman Catholic religion represents the largest and most neglected mission field in the world. It's the largest in that it contains over 1.2 billion souls, and it's the most neglected because, as many people know, a lot of evangelical leaders believe that Roman Catholicism represents a valid expression of Christianity. And so they're saying that Catholics don't need to be evangelized that they're already our brothers and sisters in Christ. So in this interview, I hope to share the reasons why Roman Catholics need to be evangelized and they need to repent and believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty high uh, statement. I mean, I've met my, a fair share of Roman Catholics overall. And so to say that they are not Christians when after the apostles and the early church fathers uh, didn't wasn't constant didn't Constantine form the early Catholic Church? Well, many people would recognize that was the genesis of the Catholic Church. The true Church of Jesus Christ started two thousand years ago, and Jesus is the builder of that church, and everybody who belongs to the church has been born again of the Spirit of God, and so they are in different churches throughout the world. Yes, there are even some born-again Christians in the Catholic Church, but they're no longer Catholic. 
and the Spirit of God will eventually move them out as they grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and they're discipled in the truth. And that's why the Great Commission is to go and make disciples, not decisions, because when you're witnessing, you're teaching people to observe everything Christ has commanded. And one of the commands is that we worship God in spirit and in truth. And that's impossible to worship God in spirit and in truth in the Catholic Church, because as you noted, in the fourth century, the Catholic Church departed from the faith of the apostles and departed from the supreme authority of God's word. And they began following pagan traditions. And that was what happened when Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And so no one needed to have repentance or faith. They just needed to go through the font of water baptism, and immediately they were called Christians. And so a lot of pagan traditions crept into the Catholic Church at that time, and those pagan traditions are still followed by Roman Catholics today. What sort of traditions are you referring to? Well, one of the traditions was baptismal regeneration. That started about the fourth century, and we know that water baptism is not the means of being born again of the Spirit of God, but it's a profession of faith after a person has been born again. And of course, I always like to back up what I say with Scripture. In Acts 10.47, we see the Apostle Peter saying, who's to keep these people from being water baptized? They have already received the Spirit of God. So clearly, water baptism comes after regeneration. But that was the first ungodly tradition of the Catholic Church. Later on, they began the infallible dogma of transubstantiation, where the priest is said to have the power to call the Lord Jesus Christ down from heaven to be represented on an altar and continue the work of redemption. The Catholic Church denies the work of redemption is finished. They deny the words of our bloodstained Savior when he cried out in John 19.30, it is finished. Instead, they continue on an altar what Jesus finished on the cross. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying that a priest, when he is doing what we would know today as communion, their version of communion, he they believe that he has the power to put the Lord on an altar and that it becomes literally the flesh and blood of, our, uh, of Christ? Yeah, that's the nature of transubstantiation. The priest is said to have that power to call Jesus Christ down from heaven to be represented on an altar. And so when we look at Roman Catholicism, there are a lot of ungodly practices, but I think that one may be mo the most ungodly practice there is because that gives the priest more power than the omnipotent God for him to be able to call the Lord Jesus Christ down from heaven to continue the work that he said was finished is truly blasphemy. And I want to just quote Roman Catholic priest John O'Brien. This is from his book, The Faith of Millions. It's blessed and endorsed by the Catholic Church. In fact, it has the imprimatur, which states that the Catholic Church affirms what this priest wrote. He says, and I quote, when the priest announces the words of consecration, he reaches up into the heavens he brings Christ down from his throne and places him upon our altar to be offered up again as the victim for the sins of man. The priest speaks, and lo, Christ, 
the eternal and omnipotent God bows his head in humble obedience to the priest's command. I grieve every time I have to read that. That is just pure blasphemy. I mean, in Hebrews, it says that there is only one sacrifice and that, you know, if you turn away from the faith, there is no further sacrifice that can be given. That's true. I I, I mean, that's unbelievable. Okay. So... In fact, when you meant, you mentioned the book of Hebrews, we read in Hebrews 10, verses 10, 12, and 18, I'm going to summarize those verses, but it says the true Jesus died once for all sin, for all time. There are no more offerings for sin, and yet the Roman Catholic Mass is a sin offering. Jesus was immersed once in the wrath of a sin-avenging God when he bore the sins of his people so that forgiveness of sins and eternal life could be offered as a free gift of his grace. But Roman Catholicism denies the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, and they deny the work of redemption is finished. So, I mean, how do they justify that? I mean, because they claim to believe the Bible, and it's written right in the Bible, it is finished. So how do they actually justify something like that? Well, that's a good question. The Roman Catholic Church has three authorities, and they're all said to be equal. But in actual practice, it's the infallible bishops that reign above the other two authorities, Scripture and tradition. And so when the Roman Catholic Church looks at Scripture, then they try and make their ungodly pagan traditions harmonize with the Scripture They have a magisterium made up of bishops that twist and distort the scripture so that their tradition always reigns supreme. And so the Catholic Church denies the work of redemption is finished. They deny the words of Jesus, it is finished. In fact, when we see one of the great miracles at the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago, when he gave up his spirit, the Father in heaven tore open the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from sinful man, showing that now through faith in the shed blood of Jesus, we no longer have priests needed to be our mediators, but now we can go boldly into the throne of grace. In fact, that was the end of the priesthood because we have a perfect high priest, and that is the Lord Jesus who offered himself the perfect sacrifice to a perfect God who demands perfection. And then he said, it is finished. So the Roman Catholic priesthood is superfluous. It's unnecessary, and it actually misrepresents Christ. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I want to kind of move into some of the other uh, doctrines and things that you see within, uh, you know, because I have never attended a mass, but I have attended a funeral of a uh, family friend who was Roman Catholic. And... um I, I, I remember a lot about it. They do a lot of what you might call the Hail Marys, and then the, they do the Our Fathers, you know, just repeating and quoting the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. Is there a reason that they do that? Yeah, they do it for penance. In fact, when um, the Roman Catholic Bible was translated from Latin into English, the Latin Vulgate, they mistranslated the word metanoia, which means repentance, and they put penance instead. So Catholics must do penance in order to have their sins forgiven. And oftentimes, as Catholics, we had to say repetitious prayers as penance before our sins could be forgiven. And yes, they have the rosary, which is 
53 repetitious prayers to Mary. And of course, nowhere in the Bible does any God-fearing person pray to anyone other than God. So to pray to Mary is obviously blasphemy. She's not omnipotent. She's not omnipresent. She cannot hear the prayers of people. But this is Roman Catholic theology. They just ignore the authority of God's word, and they follow their pagan traditions. I'm reminded of the words of Christ. He says, you think by your many words and your repetitious prayers, you'll be heard. Yeah, that's his words in Matthew 6. But again, the Catholic Church dismisses the words of Christ for their own traditions. Unbelievable. Okay. So where? how do they justify elevating Mary, who... I mean, I mean, even the evangelical church recognizes her. Okay, the Bible even recognizes her, and she said, "Hey, you know, I'm willing to do whatever the Lord wants. If He wants to use me, that's that, that's fine." You know, she agreed to that, and I and I don't see an issue with respect. But where do they take respect? Where where they take respect into worship? How do they justify that? Because the Bible is clear in the Ten Commandments. It says, "It says you shall have no other gods." before me, and you shall have no other idols. Yeah, the Roman Catholic Church um, is under the influence of Satan. And I don't say this to be offensive to any Roman Catholic that might be listening, but the church is apostate. It drifted away from the supreme authority of Scripture, and that's the definition of apostasy, as we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4. In latter times, some will depart from the faith and follow doctrines of demons. And clearly, the Catholic Church has followed doctrines of demons. One of them, mm. Paul states, is forbidding people to marry. Another doctrine of the devil was the first lie of Satan in the garden. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, Satan said, you surely shall not die. Well, that's where you get the doctrine of venial sin, because the Catholic Church teaches that venial sins do not cause spiritual death and hell, but only temporal death and purgatory. Again, echoing the words of Satan, you surely shall not die. But the Roman Catholic Church, because it's under the influence of Satan, his goal is to divert people's attention away from Christ to other images. And so that's where Mary is introduced into the Catholic Church. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, we even see that the Apostle Paul talked about how the devil uses different objects, it says, but I am afraid that as the serpent de deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so that's the goal of the devil, is to get people out of the Bible, keep them away from the Bible, and to get their attention focused away from Christ. You also uh, uh, wrote an article just recently, as I recall, where you compared to uh, the the uh, Catholic Church also to the uh, religion of Islam. And you said there were a lot of similarities, as I recall. Can you kind of touch on that? Yeah. In fact, while we're talking about Mary, that's one of the significant common bonds that will you, it will eventually unite Roman Catholicism and Islam. The uh, common bonds would include they both have a high view of Mary, both Islam and Roman Catholicism esteem her as the most revered woman who has ever lived. Mary is the only woman mentioned in the Quran. She's a model for all Muslims because of her submission to God. And that's what Islam is all about, submission. And she is said to be the mother of all humanity. 
and both Muslims and Catholics venerate her as a pure and holy saint. So when we look at Mary, this Pope, Pope Francis, has said that Mary is the mother of forgiveness for all people. And so this Pope is trying to unite the world under the power and influence of the papacy. So when he makes statements such as that, that Mary has come for all people, she is the mother of forgiveness for all people, that is one of the ways that Islam and Catholicism have a common bond for unity. Both of them are now seeking messages from apparitions. In fact, uh, there is a very popular apparition site in Portugal. It's called Fatima, a city named after Mohammed's first daughter. And Muslims and Catholics are flocking to Fatima to receive messages from Mary. And I can only wonder, based on what the Bible reveals, if these apparitions of Mary may be the lying signs of and wonders that we read about in Scripture. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul writes, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And then the Lord Jesus said in Mark 13, false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray if possible. Even, even the, elect. the elect. So we see that these apparitions clearly are not apparitions of Mary. They are apparitions of someone pretending to be Mary because in 1 John 4, 1, we're called to test every spirit. Well, how do you test the spirits? You listen to what they say, and then you test it with the supreme authority of God's word. One of the apparitions said, if the world will convert to my immaculate heart, meaning Mary's heart, I will bring peace and give the world salvation. Another apparition said, Muslims, Orthodox, and Catholics are equal before my son, Jesus, and I. You are all my children. I'm going to give you a piece of heaven. So we know that that cannot be the true Mary, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can get to heaven through Mary. And Jesus is the only one who offers eternal life. Mary cannot offer forgiveness or eternal life. That is unreal. I mean, the only thing I can think, you know, when you're talking about apparitions and, and, and stuff like that, you know, I can only think that there's only one answer that that could be. And that's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a familiar spirit. It's a demonic uh, appearance of Satan trying to deceive. I mean, and I mean, well, someone might sit there and go, you can't say that. Well, yeah, I can. If it, if the, you know, Paul even wrote in his epistles, he said, uh, if anyone preaches another gospel, whether it be angel or someone else that comes to you preaching any other gospel, let him be condemned. Yeah, so all the bishops of the Catholic Church and the priest are under the condemnation of God. And so we have to go on a rescue mission to rescue Roman Catholics out from a religion that is under the condemnation of God. And that's the purpose of me wanting to do this interview with you is to just alert your audience that there is a huge mission field that mm -hmm. is so deceived they don't even know it. And we provide a lot of excellent resources to reach out. We've got six different gospel tracts dedicated to reaching Catholics. I've written a book called Preparing for Eternity. And in the book, I contrast what the Word of God says with what the Catholic Church teaches. So it's not only an excellent book to give to Catholics, 
but it's also a good manual for evangelical Christians to study and know the scriptures that will set Catholics free. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, a true disciple of mine will abide in my word, then they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. Well, we need to recognize that Roman Catholics are held captive by Satan to do his will. And the only way that they can be set free is by abiding in God's word, knowing the truth. And Jesus said that truth will set them free from the bondage of religious deception. And Paul wrote in 2 Timothy that we are to pray for those in opposition to the gospel, such as our dear Roman Catholic people, that God would grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth so they can escape the snare of the devil that holds them captive to do his will. So I really encourage your listeners to visit our website, proclaimingthegospel.org, and just peruse all the valuable resources we have that we can reach out to precious Roman Catholic souls. We really believe in sowing the seed of God's Word, which is why we believe in gospel tracts, and we give gospel tracts to people throughout the day, always encouraging them to read them so they'll know the truth, the truth of salvation. Amen. You know, um, there's another issue I think that that needs to come out that needs to be at least spoken about a little bit. And that's, you know, you look at these priests and, um, you know, you're you're talking about um, things that the Islamic people have in common. One of the things that I that has actually kind of occurred to me is the fact that, you know, back when all the priests were getting in trouble for for uh, 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 pedophilia, and then the Catholic Church never really, really dealt with them. They just kind of pushed, they moved them to other parishes, as I recall. And if you actually look at Islam, if a boy is under is under the age of puberty, they have the right to, to mess with them, to, to molest them. I look at that, and then I look at the words of Jesus, who says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better if a millstone were tied around their neck. Yeah, you're right. And what you're talking about is, just the domination of sin throughout the world. And of course, the only remedy from the power of sin is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we need to proclaim it both to Catholics and Muslims. Amen. Only then can be they, they be set free. But um, I actually went down to um, the Fairmont Hotel in Dallas, Texas, where all the bishops of the Catholic Church had a big meeting to discuss the priestly pedophile Uh, situation that was going on throughout the Catholic Church. And I'll never forget, it was a hot August afternoon several years ago. And I started witnessing to a a woman who told me that her son had been abused by a Catholic priest, and then he couldn't get through it. And so he ended up committing suicide. And so as I witnessed to her and told her about the one and only high priest that she needs— the Lord Jesus Christ. He would never leave her or forsake her, never abuse her. And I probably spent 20 minutes sharing the gospel. And in the end, she thanked me, but she said, I was born a Catholic and I'm going to die a Catholic. And it just grieved me to no end. And here is a woman who lost her son, and yet she would not leave the religion that was responsible for his death. And that's the power of indoctrination. And it's so powerful that only the inerrant, inspired, more powerful Word of God can penetrate stubborn hearts. Amen. But we're only responsible for taking the Word of God from the pages of Scripture to the person's ear. 
It's God's responsibility to take it from their ear to their heart. And even though the woman rejected the message that afternoon, I pray that God would one day drive her to the Bible and there she would see the truth and be set free. Amen. Amen. Well, do you have any final um, words for our audience? Do you have anything else that you want to add to uh, what we've already discussed? Yeah, Teresa, I want your listeners to know that there is no way that there can ever be unity between Roman Catholicism and biblical Christianity. And that's because the Catholic Church has a different authority, as I've discussed. They worship and trust a different Jesus who appears in a Eucharist. They have a different gospel, and that gospel that they have is under the condemnation of God, as you have spoken of in Galatians 1, 6-9. I've shared how they have a different Mary. They also have a different view of sin. They have a venial sin that is a safety net for Catholics. They don't believe it's enough to cause eternal suffering in hell. And ultimately, they have a different path to eternity. The Lord Jesus spoke of two paths to eternity in Matthew 7. He said, we must enter through the narrow gate because wide is the road and many are on it that lead to destruction. Narrow is the gate and very few find it that leads to life. And so you and I who have been entrusted with the truth have a great responsibility, but also an awesome privilege to represent the ambassador, represent Jesus Christ as his ambassadors to reach out to those who are perishing. Amen. So I encourage again your listeners to visit our website, proclaimingthegospel.org. We have a wealth of information to equip and encourage people to be faithful witnesses to the Lord's Great Commission. You know, I think that's really what this is about, guys. Unresolved Life is here to deal with the, the, the difficult questions, the ones, well, you know, are Roman Catholics and Christians the same? And clearly, when you look at the doctrine, the answer is no because they believe in the doctrine of demons. Um, Are there people that are born again that have come to the salvation of the true Christ? Yes, I do believe so. But overall, I, you know, that, that it's a doctrine of demons. So uh, with that, you know, I will be linking uh, proclaimingthegospel.org in the show notes and we will, we will just go from there guys. So, Hey, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for the privilege of being your guest, Teresa. May God bless you and keep contending for the faith. I plan to. Thank you very much. Guys, this has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. Uh, My name is Teresa Blaze. And if this has been helpful to you, if you happen to know someone who might be Roman Catholic and needs to hear this, please share it. Please share it. And let's, let's do some soul winning, huh? Let's do some soul winning. Let's let's make it so that when we stand before Christ on that day, we will hear well done, good and faithful servant because we did our best to get the gospel out there. Um, and so with that, guys, this has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.